You are listening to African Father in America podcast by Simon Javano Kelly live from Seattle, Washington, USA. Greetings, greetings beautiful people. My name is Simon Javan Okelo. I am in Seattle, Washington, and I am really excited to be here with you for another episode of the African Father in America podcast. We are live streaming across multiple platforms uh, from AMP, which is an Amazon-owned uh, audio app that is, uh, you know, that is really incredible. It's re- only available in the U.S., so I'm one of the early users of that app. But YouTube is my main platform, so make sure you subscribe to the channel uh, and also, you know, give this video a thumbs up so that we can uh, continue you know, uh, ensuring that the YouTube algorithms know that this show exists. But importantly, we want you to share your comment uh, down below so that we know your perspectives on our conversation. And then to all who are joining us on LinkedIn, on Facebook, on X. Twitter is currently known as X, by the way. So no matter where you're joining us from, I just want you to meet my incredible guest, uh, Linda Orando. Okoth, who is joining us all the way from Kampala. Linda, say hello to our guests uh, today, briefly. Hello, how are you? Lovely to meet you guys. Excellent, excellent. So Linda is an author and also an architect. Uh, uh, We'll be talking a lot more about uh, her story because she's one of the authors uh, featured on Remembering the Future. This is a book that I have been promoting and uh, interviewing a number of the authors who are part of the project. So uh, if you want to get a copy of the book, go to ugandamemories.com. But for now, I want to bring us to today's proverb. Our proverb today takes us all the way to Ivory Coast. Two flavors confuse the palate. Two flavors confuse the palate. What does this proverb bring to your mind? Uh, I want you to share in the comments. Uh, I want to share three nuggets of wisdom around this proverb and then get uh, Linda's perspective around it. Uh, The first nugget of wisdom around this beautiful Ivorian proverb says that don't be afraid to say no. Wow, that's a, for me, it's one of the difficult things to do, but I'm learning to not be afraid to say no. But then uh, this nugget continues to say that if you have too much on your plate, it's okay to say no to new commitments, you know, because everybody is always fighting for your time, you know. So it's your choice to say no and to say yes to the things that are most important to you, because at the end of the day, it's your time that you're giving away. Number two, learn to prioritize, you know. Uh, make a list of your goals uh, and priorities and then focus on one thing at a time. And then this will help you to stay on track and avoid feeling overwhelmed all the time, which we all deal with, you know, we all deal with uh, over overwhelm. <laughs> Number three, take breaks, you know, uh, when you're feeling overwhelmed, take a break and uh, step away from your work or whatever it is that is causing you stress, you know, uh, and also do something enjoyable. You know, uh, a lot of the time we've trained ourselves that, you know, let me just put in so much work, 14 hours a day uh, and take 10 minute break. You know, your body will break down. If you don't give it breaks, it will break down, you know. 
so those are the three nuggets of wisdom from our proverb today. But I want to bring on Linda, who is uh, going to share her own perspective on this proverb before we continue with our conversation. Linda, share your thoughts on this Ivorian proverb. Thank you. So it's interesting listening to you and your take on it. And I was like, oh my God, I hope I didn't run away with it. My own take is that I think it speaks to being integral. Like uh, there's this, there's this, uh, there's this uh, saying in the Bible that says, let your yes be yes and let your no be no. Like pick a side and, and be consistent, be consented, uh, consistent there. Pick a path, you know, take a path and be consistent in that path. So I think for, for me, it has um, applications in, to do with like, say, value systems or ideology or um, faith. Yeah. So whatever it is that you believe, like, like, let it be, be integral in all of it, in all, in every aspect of your life. If it's, if it's your food lifestyle, if, if it's, yeah, uh, things to do with relationships, let it just, let it, let it be integral. Let it come through. Let it find expression in every, in every part of your life. And then I think your results will be clearer or like tangible. I think so. For me, that's what I take. I take from it. So for me, the palette is like life. Life is a palette. So what energy are you giving? Is it consistent? Is it integral? So it will give you back, yeah, its fruit in its purity. Yeah, that's what I think about it. I love that. I love that. You know, pick a side and stay consistent, you know, uh, and, and let it be integral. I love that. Those will stick with me for a long time, uh, those words. Uh, uh, for those who are meeting Linda for the first time, Linda Akoth Orando has lived uh, most of her life in Kampala. She went to Makerere University and has been an architect for over 10 years. You know, when I was reading your bio, I was just smiling. And luckily, I have also been involved with uh, the development of a documentary where you're one of the main characters. And uh, I've just... I've just been so proud of who you are uh, and how you are representing, you know, our sisters and our mothers, and you're just breaking the glass ceiling, you know. Uh, but I know that your story started somewhere, and I normally share with my guests that my mother, at the age of eight, my mother asked me to help her distribute milk and bread in our neighborhood, and she gave me a bicycle. And then I began my entrepreneurial journey, you know, I began learning how to build relationships, how to uh, do business, uh, and how to grow my network and to build something like the podcast that we are, uh, you know, we are in today. So take us back as well. Take us back to a time when you are eight years old. Uh, share with us a story that really uh, makes you the kind of leader that you have become today. Okay. Um, it's a, I wouldn't say a very specific uh, turning point in my uh, life as a young person, but it was a series of the same thing. It's, I, I, I actually attribute um, the person that I've turned out to be and the choices I have made to my father, to my dad. So we are five, I have four siblings, so there are five of us, and uh, there's only one, one boy my brother, the rest of us are girls. 
And uh, of course, at the time that we were born, um, as tradition has it, um, most of the generation of my parents, it was uh, it was it was preferred that you have more boys than girls, because the idea was that you know um, it was it would be more profitable, if you will, profitable or yeah, and 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 in terms of extending the lineage, you know, there was more value. So what my dad did with us was like, no, I'm not, and and I wasn't aware of this. Of course, I'm finding out about this now. Um, he decided to to go at it differently. So from the time I can remember, my dad was a fan of martial arts movies. We grew up on uh, Jet Li movies, Bruce Lee movies, <laughs> Van Damme, Karate Kid. Those are the kind of movies we grew up watching with my dad. And um, unfortunately, unfortunately, I can't say that uh, the relationship we have with our dad, with well, the girls at least, with the daddies, is a princess, princess daddy kind of relationship. No, it was more like because um, for him, um, those were diff those were opportunities, teachable moments, if you will. Yeah. So he was always saying, "So you see how he, he, during the movie he would be like, so you see this guy has tried this and that and he has failed, but look how he has gone back. He's training again. You know, he's coming back." He's going back to the drawing table, you know, and then, you know, he has come out a victor. So for the longest time, he has always um, inculcated in us that you can do anything. You can be anything you want to be, just so long as you, you don't give up. And um, if you experience any kind of failure, it's only for you to go back, to draw back, and then... Um, do things differently so from the time we were young he was always telling us you can be anything you want to do you can go anywhere in the world you can be a in fact i wanted to be a pilot before i was serious about it and he encouraged us so that has always been his attitude to this day he's always telling me that linda you should go to dubai go to dubai and, and practice from there start up start up a farm there you know you can do anything so it is so actually when i grew up i had no idea that there was such a thing as women being disadvantaged because they are because of their of their gender it for me it was like the most normal thing it was actually uh in my like after campus when i started hearing this these conversations around women rights and equality for me it was very alien because that is not the way i was brought up i didn't know that there was such a thing even to begin with it was like the most normal thing yeah, to be given equal opportunity to, yeah, to to, to be whoever that. you want to be. Yeah, mm. I love that. You know, uh, here in Seattle is where Bruce Lee grew up, you know, and he was buried here. <laughs> so from time to time, I have friends who visit Seattle from Kenya, from uh, Ethiopia. Uh, and the first place they want to go to is to the grave graveyard, the, the grave site of Bruce Lee yeah. to pay homage, yes. you know. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I remember one of Bruce Lee's quotes where he used to say that we should be like water, you know, uh, so that mm. in any kind of uh, situation we, we change and we adjust accordingly, you know. Because when water is in the cup, it takes the shape of the cup. When it's in a bottle, it takes the shape of a bottle. When it is, you know, 
uh, in the in the freezer it freezes like ice you know <laughs> but it's still water yeah. you know <laughs> yeah 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 so um i wanted you to uh you know have a copy of the book uh, remembering uh, the future nearby and because i want you yeah. to remembering the future i want you to uh, just speak to what it means to you to actually touch that book uh, and be a part of it and <laughs> because not everybody is able to bring their ideas and write it out and get it published you know people dream about it you know but here you are with a group of incredible writers uh hilarious some of the authors in this book i've just enjoyed interviewing all of you talented gifted unique uh and i want to i want to hear from you why has this been important to you um and then i want you to speak maybe pick your favorite excerpt from your your chapter and just read it to our viewers and our audience members who are listening and watching absolutely so i think um the question starts from a time in my life when i began to ask the question um if i die today like um what 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 good what good would my life have been for and the moment i started asking that question and searching for purpose and you know pursuing what i feel is my god-given destiny um a number of years later because this happened actually it happened because i was i was i was busy trying to make more money <laughs> on i was doing a side gig uh and we were traveling uh, we were traveling to another city and we almost died in a crash and at that time i was like my god if i died today then what will my life have counted for what impact would i have made so this opportunity to be a part of this uh, book came came really i don't know it, it was a, it was a perfect opportunity it was it, it's i know it is it is a, it is a point in my destiny as i as i as you know as i continue with this life i'm not like i said i'm not a writer my first uh my first i'm i'm first an architect <laughs> then a writer later so the opportunity i got to work with first of all real professional writers really talented people that was that was um that was awesome and moreover concerning a, a a topic and a subject matter i feel is very critical very critical for the generation that i i you know i represent and the generations that are you know are younger than i that is the millennials and the gen z because you see we happen to be at a time where we are crossing into and at the start of a new of a future that promises and threatens to to not to 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 be very very full of surprises let me put it that way we've had of we've had of uh, the fourth industrial revolution which is a future in, in which we are stepping into and um it is disrupting a lot of things from our work culture to our lives you know and um there has never been a time where it was important to look back at where we are we are coming from so that as we go into this future we are grounded you know because 
when you when you start to talk about the internet of things and ai and you know that that, that very thin line between physical reality and virtual reality and it's so porous you need something to ground you yeah and i feel like like um the experiences that such as like such as covid what covid really was teaching us as a as a, as, as a human race was like people could you just first pause pause take a moment reflect on what it means to be human what it means to you know what things are the most important to you because the world we are stepping into things are changing faster than we can you know adjust to them you know and uh professional skill we, we that the, there's a threat for the professionally skilled people to be wiped away and become irrelevant so the question is what makes you human what makes us human what makes us special what makes us relevant and uh, this book, Remembering the Future, because it's a catalog of, of stories from people who have been here before us and have had the opportunity to observe um, our society in terms of the economics, the social aspects of it, the spiritual aspects of it. So they, they can be able to share with us these stories and that in so doing, in listening to these stories, we by ourselves can discover what you know what matters what makes us um, what what we need to 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 you know to 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 be able to to thrive in this new future and uh and and what not to go with of course because nothing is perfect but you pick the best of of what's what uh, from the past for the purpose of, of grounding you and uh pointing you to who you are, to your identity, to the question, to the question of your identity outside of your abilities and capability and even gender. Yeah. So that's that yeah. this 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 is such a a great opportunity to have that discussion. Yeah. That answer. It's incredible. It's incredible. Uh, the way you responded to that but I, I just want to recognize uh, quite a few of our friends and family and uh, fans have joined us for the show today, especially on YouTube. I see Kristen Conte uh, joining us, and this means a lot to me. I don't know if you know who she is, Linda, uh, but uh, I'll tell you after the show. It's incredible that she has joined, and she left a comment. She's saying, I love Linda's interpretation of the proverb. I hadn't thought about it from that perspective. And then Stella is also joining us uh, from Kenya, and she says that the palate indeed gets confused by two flavors. And we have so many other comments. I want you to continue commenting and sharing the link to this show and also subscribing. You have to subscribe because I learned that, you know, over 75% of people who are watching this show are not subscribers, you know. Uh, they just love it, but they don't subscribe. So I want to bring that down to at least 50%, you know, maybe by the end of the year and you can help me, you know, you can help me by subscribing now to help me, you know, increase the number of people who are watching and are subscribed. Now, um, I just want Linda to take space now and share with us, you know, Linda is going to read from this book that I've shared on the screen there. If you can see my screen, Remembering the Future. Reflections on Ugandan culture 
in changing times. I want you to take a minute and go to ugandamemories.com where you can get a copy of this book to ensure that you know authors like Linda and all the other you know authors who are featured on this book can continue publishing. And also if you are in the if you want to get a copy of the book you can actually go to Amazon uh, that's where you can get a copy right now or you can go to Ibua Publishers in Uganda and you can also get a copy but let's hear from Linda who was one of the who is one of the authors uh, let's hear what Linda has to say in in from the excerpt that she's going to read for us okay so my chapter was called was titled Goria Ubuntu and uh I spoke to my my grand my granddad. He's the oldest patriarch of our of our family right now, and of course, I was coming from a place where I um, I have made observations on um, the issues that we have with you know gender wars, you know, <laughs> the feminine, the masculine, and who what role is this you know this gender supposed to play, and the question of equality. And and um, it just seemed like um, like there was something that was suffering in 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 the question of who we in the question of our relations our relations in society amidst this you know this war this this contention there was something else that there was a more the more important discussion and so of course I took these questions to my grandpa and I'm just going to read an excerpt pieces of excerpt that really that sort of come together to to just give people a, a feel of what the, the, the chapter is about. Okay, so here goes. It was a time, he says with a chuckle, that his daily apparel consisted of little more than a loincloth. Not like the napkins or oh, sorry, diapers you people talk of. As I listened to the old man's account, the scenery before my vision fades to hues of black and white. The modern houses slowly morph into grass-thatched houses. The trees dwindle in size and stare back at me with their lips shut. Kwara Asan recalls a time when he was 12 that his father Onyango Thomas gave him a good smacking on his bare bottoms because he had attempted to dodge school. The old man might have been assuaged since his son was trying to attend a community church service but the underlying reason for his transgression eliminated, eliminated any possibility of easy redemption he was curious about the nature of the blood that ran through the veins of the white of the white missionaries was it as green as the veins he noticed through their skin his father had no time for such nonsense my grandfather and I now survey the results. The compound now consists of 10 cottages, the latest ones reaching the outskirts of the family land. Just as my grandfather said, families in old times expanded to become villages. I look at the umbrella trees in the compound. They must have seen much over decades running up to this time. Silent witnesses of the comings and goings of the family and the man who has become its overseer. Thinking about the many people who had shaped what I see, I picture a team of acrobats 
forming a human pyramid. My grandfather and his brothers climbed on their father's shoulders. When they finished school and got jobs, they pitched in to educate their siblings, who took their place in their structure, each of its members supported by and supporting one another. Ubuntu. Finally, I raise the question that brought me here in the first place. What does the patriarch think about the troubled relations between men and women today? His answer may satisfy neither advocates of feminism nor believers in patriarchism. In my day, he starts, and so on and on. I love it. I love it. Uh, we, we should. We. I, I feel like we should have an audio book for remembering the future and have you read it. You know. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Great job. That great job. Well. Yeah, you did a good job. And also, I've read your chapter. You know, uh, I've read almost ninety percent of the book, uh, and I, I just love your chapter. And as I was saying earlier, your subject, this chapter is a subject of a documentary that I am part of the team that is working on. Uh, so yes. it's exciting. It's exciting what uh, Remembering the Future, the book is bringing together. Uh, and so if you're watching the show right now or if you're listening later on, I want you to take a moment, go to ugandamemories.com, uh, learn more about the authors. There's a blog there. That's the website for the book. But if you want a copy, go to Amazon, look for Remembering the Future, and then get your copy. If you're in Uganda, go to, um, go to what is it called? Uh, uh, let's find out. Ibua Publishers. Ibua Publishers. That's how you can get the book in Uganda. Linda, you know, uh, you are a Luo from Uganda and I'm a Luo from Kenya, you know? And so... When, when uh, I, I'm just happy that we connected because I always want to connect with all the Luos from the different corners in the world. Uh, and then huh? Ubuntu, huh? Ubuntu. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. hundred percent, hundred percent, hundred percent. You know, so I, I really feel like this is a full cycle moment. Uh, you know, watching Kwara Hassan, listening to you, consult him. You know, your story is about you leaving Kampala and going back to the village, not to write this chapter of the book by yourself with your knowledge led by your ego, but to go back and consult, uh, you know, your elder. And then your elder consults the ancestors and then the ancestors consult their ancestors. So, uh, you know, I feel that the, sim the approach that other authors also have is similar, where they tap into something bigger than themselves, you know. And that is really, really beautiful to see, especially in the current times that we live in, where everybody seems to know everything, you know. If you go to YouTube, there are experts in everything, you know. <laughs> so it's so important that uh, through this book, we learn how to go back and consult with our elders, our families, our ancestors, so that the answers we give are not just our own answers, not just our answers from the universities we went to and things like that, but they are, you know, complete and, uh, you know, and... and um, I don't know. I don't even know the right words, but, uh, you know, endorsed by our elders and our ancestors. <laughs> now, uh, I want you to share with us um, maybe one comment 
uh, addressing a question or something that you really wanted to uh, talk about that I have not asked you and then share with everyone who is listening and watching how they can stay connected with you uh, after today's show. Okay. I think for me, it's both a comment and a, both a reflection and I guess a question that may may not even be able to be to be answered right now because for me coming away from this project because for me it was also it felt like a rite of passage doing this yeah and um of course um my question is like okay so we have this idea ubuntu you know being your brother's keeper and uh of course having uh sort of like reviewed just how far it had been explored in my family and that's not to say that it was done perfectly like there is no perfect story and um there is beauty and uh there's beauty and ugliness in in everything so what do we take from what we take the best of something and build on it or make it better and uh, for me when I was just reflecting about this whole concept of Ubuntu, I realized that Ubuntu is irrelevant, is irrelevant when you are in a context of the same people. I don't know how to put it. Let me give you an example. In, in Kampala city, Kampala city is a city, is a metropolitan city in the sense that we have people from different tribal groups around the country living in the same melting pot working there and living there in Kampala. So for example, say if I'm driving and a cop stops me and finds out a cop who is Luo and finds out that I'm Luo, Luo, they're going to be good to me. They're going to help me out. They're going to be, you know, they're going to extend Ubuntu, you know, towards me. But if I meet that same cop in my village town in Tororo, that may not necessarily be the case. In fact, for me to experience Ubuntu now in my in my in my hometown, I would have to meet a relative in the hometown and be like, "Oh, this is our this is our relative. So let's treat them well. Let's do them for this." And then again, when I take it further and take it home, then it will, it might come down to literally my blood, my brother, my sister from a you know from the same mother and same father. So for me, the question was like, and and I'm sure you've experienced this as well, Simon you're in the United States of America. So every time you meet an African from back home, there's that kinsmanship, that's kindred, you know, that you that you experience, that is Ubuntu. So my question comes because we're at a such a, we're at a time when, you know, we are trying to, you know, reconcile this issue of racism. Um, so the question is like, so, how does Ubuntu play out in such a case? Do we need to go to another planet? <laughs> no. So it's, it, it leaves a lot of, of uh, place to explore. Yeah. And uh, yeah, for me, I find that interesting. And as for reaching me, finding me, um, I can't say that I'm a social media creature. However, I can be, I can be reached on ugandamemories.com which is where the book is being um, marketed from and i think also distributed from if i'm not sure yeah so i don't know that's it for me excellent excellent thank you uh, linda for taking your time uh, for sharing your wisdom
uh, and to everyone who has been watching the show today thank you for joining me and uh, my incredible guest uh, make sure you get a copy of the book from amazon or from uh, ibua publishers in uganda uh, i see that steven okoth who was in uganda with you also joined us for the show here and he comments uh, here and says that happy to see you linda it was nice working with you in producing your documentary ubuntu uh, and also says you remind me of kwara hassan uh, nice 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 uh, if you're just joining us for the show make sure you also leave us with your comment make sure you subscribe to my youtube channel uh, and linda it seems you wanted to say something uh, in response to that comment from steve oh from steve it was absolutely same here wonderful and we can't wait to see to see the what to see the product of that of, of, of that documentary yeah thank you steve thank excellent. you steven excellent excellent thank you linda and again thanks to everybody who made this possible uh i will be here again tomorrow 6 a.m pacific standard time uh and friday before we wrap up all the shows for the week uh, i'm incredibly grateful for uh, your love and support Linda, have a nice evening over there in Kampala. This Sunday, I'll actually be having, yeah, I'll be having Ugandan food here on Sunday, you know? Yeah, so we have a Ugandan chef who will be making uh, food for us. Uh, there's a dinner series that we are doing. It's called Taste of Madaraka Festival, and it's happening every third Sunday of the month. So uh, every third sunday of the month between september and march we have a different chef from a different part of africa you know so september yeah september is a ugandan chef her name is regina bukenya and then uh october we have a kenyan chef and then november we have a Ghanaian chef and then december we have a zimbabwean chef and then january we have an african-american chef then february uh, South Sudanese, and then March we have a Nigerian, and then all the enjoyment is over. <laughs> but is it a private thing? Uh, it's just for like ninety people, you know. Uh, I produce the biggest African festival in the U.S. It's known as Madaraka Festival, and uh, this is a, a, a smaller version of it where we bring the sponsors of the bigger festival the community members that help make it happen, the musicians, you know, uh, the partners. So it's a way for us to break bread and plan, but also just enjoy authentic African food, which is very rare here, you know. Some people travel eight hours just to find an African restaurant, you know. So we want to make uh, our great food more accessible, you know. <laughs> wow, yeah. where to come next time. Yes, when you're in the U.S., this should be your first stop. <laughs> okay, Linda. Yeah, take care. Okay, Thanks for making so the time. Okay. So okay. 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 Bye. You are listening to African Father in America podcast by Simon Javanokello live from Seattle, Washington.